Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Mark. What are you doing? I'm uh, sweating like a bad girl in church. Oh, <laughs> you bad girl. Yeah. Because yeah. it's so hot around here. It's very hot you in know, South Carolina. I work outside and I walked out. This was really, yeah. I, and I like the heat. It really doesn't right. bother me. But I walked out today and this was one of the first days where I felt, woof. It's hot. God, yeah. yeah. And I got all the way downtown and my tour people canceled I on know. me and I came all the way home. Mm. So now I get to record. But I'm excited because this is a great episode. I can't we, wait. Coming I, up. Episode said. 15. Yeah, 15. Yeah. We got a really interesting comment on our Instagram page that I mm-hmm. wanted to bring up because I really actually love this comment. Okay. I think they meant for me to love it. Maybe. Anyway, I'm going to read it to yeah. you. Yeah. Anyone feel like they know exactly how announcer Liz feels about politics? (laughs) I don't mind, but it seems like she has an axe to grind with dudes in general. Hard to judge people of the past by today's standards and today's insight. Just saying. For the record, this is my favorite podcast. Oh well, then. So it was. There a, you it go. was a compliment sandwich. Oh, totally. Yeah, a compliment although, sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. Okay, first thing. Right. Announcer. I know. Announcer Liz. That's fine. She can call me announcer. an announcer. I like call myself the producer, writer, yeah, storyteller too. I mean, you're uh, also yeah. narrator for hundred percent right. sure. But anyway, that's fine. And yeah, you probably should know how I feel about politics. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, it's okay. We, mm-hmm. You know, we we are a two party system in this country. But the point that she makes, and I'm a Assuming it's a she because the profile picture is a family, so okay. I don't know if it's a man or a woman. Okay. But she says that she has an axe to grind with dudes in general, and this is a really good point because, first of all, I love dudes. I've married several of them. <laughs> I've given birth to a couple. I think they're amazing. You're a dude. I am. I like you quite a lot. Yeah. But the point that's what's interesting is that only men were making decisions back then. Right. So there is no woman. For me to say, I can't believe that woman passed that legislation or refused mm, to pass that point. legislation because they weren't able to do it. Right. We had just gotten the vote, for God's sakes. Right. So I'd, right. I'd be very mad at a woman, too, if Hoover had been a girl. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't. So the only person gotcha. I can get mad at are men right now. <laughs> but if I Me find too. a woman that I don't like, I will I will equally dislike yeah. her. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you will. Yeah, no. I'm, yeah. yeah. So I am so glad that this is their favorite that's podcast. That's a good comment. And they, that's actually an excellent comment. You know, comment. we can't dance around that. It. Yeah, and I'm not mad about it. Just also well, you just saying, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just I, there are no women. So that's really sad. Totally. But there are a lot of women in what's coming up because we are welcoming you to my grandma's diaries. So in episode 14, we covered the beginning of the summer, June and July of 1933. Mm-hmm. Harvesting is over, and the family owes $1,400 yeah. to the general store. Mm. Ah. And everyone's been commenting about that song, Oh My Soul to the Company Sold Store. Sold My Soul to Sold the, my soul. Yeah, the Company Store. Tennessee Ernie Ford. Oh, it's a song. Isn't it? I w- it might be. I'm going to you know. play a little clip from it right oh, now. Oh, good. Okay. You load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. So yeah, there you have it. That's okay. fun. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so they're in a real desperate position. And we see Dad going back between Aunt Ella's house to talk to Grandpa mm-hmm. about his hard times. For some reason, he's hanging out in Pangburn one minute. He's at Aunt Ella's the next. Mm-hmm. He says they're going to build a house. He says they're going to open a store. Dad's all over the place. He really is. And it's kind of making me feel unsafe. I know. I know <laughs> and I'm not mean. even there. Right. And I can imagine as a wife. Yeah. I've been a wife a lot to a lot of different personalities. <laughs> and as a wife, I'd be like, what in the hell are you doing? Right. Focus. And maybe he did. Maybe he had ADD. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But mm-hmm. anyway, he's acting Best really crazy. Best was in a hard place. Yeah. Because she's stuck handling she's the day to day. And right. he's off. I'm going to go look to buy. And she, you know, she's probably thinking, fine, go open a store. Maybe. How in the world does he think he's, he's going to yeah. do that? Right. So they really need to get out of this horrible position they're in. Elizabeth, love is crumbling around her. Mm. (laughs) We have seen her dating Henley and Tommy simultaneously. Yeah. And now we're kind of seeing the boys are maybe going to quit with her. But maybe they're not. Yeah. Like one minute she says, oh, I I guess he'll never come back. And then the next day, (laughs) there he is. (laughs) I mean, she's a very pretty girl. So I guess they're like, is it worth it? I don't know. Yeah. So we'll see what's happening with summer romance coming right up. August 2nd, 1933, read Silas Marner aloud this morning. After dinner, we rested and then got ready and walked to school. The girls were supposed to practice. They did for a while, but a cloud came up, so we rushed home. Tommy was there, but I didn't speak to him. We rode home on somebody's truck, got caught in the rain coming home, played paper dolls with Helen, After the rain, Tommy came over, and we sat in the truck. Hmm. So this, I thought this was cool. Back mm-hmm. in episode four, when she had just moved to Bell, and yeah. she made a friend and got a boyfriend and got a part in the play. Yeah. The play was Silas Marner. Oh, really? Yeah. She played oh. a guest at the party, I remember her oh. saying. Silas Marner was a novel written by George Eliot in 1861. Okay. And it makes a really good play because it's about a guy who really falls on hard times uh-huh. and everybody hates uh-huh. him. And he has a really good redemption arc. So okay. it's an uplifting and fun play mm. and a perfect book to be reading aloud to, I guess, Helen and Dean. Yeah, probably. Mm, and, ba- and maybe Francis, too. She read too. to them a lot. Yeah, yeah. right. There's a lot of yeah. reading aloud, reading which aloud. is really nice. Yeah. And, you know, that's funny. In the bonus episode that's coming out this mm-hmm. week on the podcast, yeah. I talked to your Uncle Bill. Yeah. And that's one of his memories of being read to right. and then reading to okay. his little sister. Right. So it's a tradition that'll stick around. Uh-huh. That's neat. I used to love to read to my children. And mm-hmm. our friend Keely mm-hmm. read the Harry Potter books. Really? To her kids. Really? And they what weren't allowed. And they idea. were, by the time the last one came out, her daughter was in high school, but they huh. were they were still reading them aloud. I love that. Isn't that kind of beautiful? Yeah, it is. Although poor Chaney would have to wait weeks uh-huh. and weeks for her mom to not be so busy that she could read. I'll bet Keely's so, a busy woman. <laughs> she is. Yeah. I can't imagine. But I thought that was really cool. Uh-huh. Really, really cool. And she's sitting in the truck with Tommy. Uh-huh. So yeah. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> August 3rd, 1933. Talked to Ruby and Wenzel in the store this morning. It was rainy all day. We had our off day and made a failure at some individual pies. There was a musical over at Perry Bowers tonight. Francis and I got to go at the last minute with Bill Sumter. Tommy was there on a mule, but we didn't speak. Hello, Tommy. Okay, but I guess they didn't talk so well in the car. Right. If the next night... He's just sitting on a mule. Doesn't matter. Good looking, Tommy. We know Ruby. She was Ruby Williamson, and we met her in episode seven. Uh She was the one who fell on the ice and maybe tore tore a kidney. kidney. Yeah, I still don't understand how you do that. Yeah. Maybe that was just an expression for, you know, pulled their back. Yeah, or, yeah, like a cramp, you know? Yes. You know what I mean? Right. And that's what just like when they call, um, oh, it doesn't matter. Charlie Horse. Um, But yes. Right. Exactly. Ruby ends up getting married and running off to California. And mm-hmm. you remember, she was a school bus driver. She was a postal worker. Yeah. And she worked for volunteer organizations like Easter Seals. So, she, yeah, she was cool. But here we are meeting Wenzel for the first time. And she was super hard to find because mm. her name is spelled differently everywhere you look at it. Okay. Elizabeth spells it W-E-N-S-I-L. Yeah. And that's actually on her birth certificate. It's W-I-N-C-E-L. Oh. It's spelled a million different ways. But her name <laughs> is Wenzel Meadows Meissen. 
Okay. And that is also misspelled everywhere because sometimes it's Myers and, oh my gosh, people wow. just couldn't spell back then. Winsel was born in June of 1914 to Dell and Lillian Meissen. Uh-huh. They were farmers just like everybody else. And Winsel will end up marrying a little cutie pie named Lowell Bennett in 1938. And then they vanish off the face of the earth. They're mm. completely abducted by aliens. Okay. And then they pop up again on the 1950 census. Okay. So here I huh. am thinking, just like oh, Arky, she yeah. married a military man. Oh, and that's they a great must, thought. Mm-hmm, they they must weren't have, here. Yes. I'm thinking this probably Germany, like Arky was. Because you don't just drop off the census. No. Right. You have to have been somewhere yeah. else. Right. So either, I mean, yeah. So they weren't anywhere in America or they hid from the census worker thinking it was Mormons yeah, right. coming up. It, yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Don't answer um, the door. But in 1950, they'll end up living in Warner Robins, Georgia, which has a mm-hmm. huge Air Force base on it. My first ex-husband was in the military mm-hmm. and Warner Robins was a place that I know very well. Warner was actually a master sergeant in the service. So that mm-hmm. explains that. And he ends up owning his own propane gas company, and he dies in 2004. In his obituary, it mentioned that his beloved wife, Winsel was already dead. Mm. So he outlived her. I don't know how she died or where she died, mm-hmm. but I know they had three children, and sadly, they're all gone. Oh. So I have no well, one to you talk can't to. Reach out. I know. So I don't know whatever happened to poor little Wenzel, but that's her hmm. story, and we will be coming back to Wenzel in just a moment. August 6, 1933. Went to Sunday school this morning. Henley was there, but we didn't have any private conversation. After dinner, we sat out in the yard. Leon went to Aunt Ella's with Carl. Daddy is down there and has been for the past week. Tommy came along and talked to us. I don't think I like him so well. Don't like what he says. After supper, all us females sat on the store porch. August 8th, 1933. Prudy's sister, Wilma Smith, came over here and we went to the schoolhouse to practice ball. Hardly anyone was there. We gossiped most of the time. After supper, I sat out on a rock and thought about what I'll tell Tommy. Francis and I sat on the store porch and talked about boys and Henley. Daddy came home this afternoon. Tommy in the doghouse. Yeah, he is. But Dad's been gone for a week. I know, right? God. I know. And I that's mean, a common thing. But he cannot be working. I know. Or she would he, say Daddy's been working in blah, blah for the past week. And he was eight miles away in Providence with Aunt Ella. Or in Pangburn looking for, because uh, now I realize, because in last episode we talked about the tornado, because yeah. we were like, where is he looking to do a store? Who's in Pangburn? Right. Well, his it's sister, Netta. Yes. Remember, because like Daddy's going to open a store in Pangburn. Netta and Doyne. Yes. Mm, yes. So maybe that's why he's always in Pangburn. He's also with his sister Netta oh, yes, trying right. to figure things out, right? Yeah. But then there's yeah. Wilma Smith. Okay. So Prudy's sister. Prudy is Prudy Evans. She's John Evans' wife, and they just had that ah, little baby. That's right. And now her little sister has come to visit. Wilma? Yes. Now, okay. Wilma, well, it's an interesting story. Prudy was actually born the daughter of Lewis and Maud Smith in 1910. She was their first baby. Uh-huh. And then Wilma comes along 10 years later in 1920. And those are the only children that the Smith couple will have. Mm-hmm. Wilma marries a man named... R.O. Stewart in 1935, just one year after her mother died of stomach cancer. Mm-hmm. Aw. So that's sad for Prudy and Wilma. Wilma goes on to have two children with her husband, and he ends up dying at the age of 55 in 1969. Mm. Have no fear. Wilma will find love again in the arms of a man named Jesse Davis, who had also lost his wife about the same time R.O. had died. So they're both about the same age, and they're both grieving widows, and they're like, we can grieve and hold hands at the same time. How long did they (laughs) grieve? I mean, how long did it take for them to get married after? I cannot find the death certificates of either one of their spouses. All I know is that Wilma... Yeah, her husband right. dies in 1969. Yeah. Jesse Davis, his wife, died sometime in the 1960s. But then Jesse Davis himself will die in 1981. So mm-hmm. they're only married for maybe 15 years, right? Mm-hmm. But don't worry. Mm-hmm. Wilma will again. find love again. <laughs> she does not like being alone. And she will marry a man named Troy Barnett, mm-hmm. who dies in 2001. Okay. Wilma 
She couldn't Don't find a husband. Me. No, <laughs> Wilma had to face her last six years of her life all by herself, and she died in 2007. But she's buried with her original husband. Interesting. R.O. Stewart. How interesting. Right? And what's even more interesting Wilma. is that Jesse Davis, her uh-huh. second husband, uh-huh. is also buried with his first wife. Oh, weird. Isn't that kind of, I mean, it's yeah. fine. I guess you already Absolutely. had the plot, and that was your first husband. Yeah. But she married two other men. And then went and back. And then goes back. Well, that, po- that plot's paid like, for. Right. That would be like the Brady Bunch parents. <laughs> right. Like going and staying and with their previous yes. partners. Yes, exactly. And Wilma is buried as Wilma Stewart. So not Jesse Davis, not Troy Barnett. So isn't, so why did she even get married? I know. Well, she, you know. Well, you know how I feel about that. Although, here's what I thought was interesting. Troy's, the last husband, Mm -hmm. Troy's wife died the exact same year as Wilma's second husband. So both Troy and Wilma lose their spouses in 1981. And uh-huh. just because I watch way too much 48 Hours, and if oh. Keith Morrison were here right now, oh. he'd be raising up his eyebrows on that one. Yeah. Because I don't know. Mm. I don't know. And you can't find any of their marriage records and stuff. Maybe that 70 mm. or 62-year rule applies to that. Because mm. I can't find all these other marriage licenses. Really? I know. Isn't that yeah, weird? Yeah, they're probably not public yet, I guess. I mean, why is a, mar- a marriage license? I know. A marriage license, license should be public. Of course. Anyway, it's very weird. But that's the life of little mm-hmm. Wilma Stewart. Smith. Excuse me. That's the life of little Wilma Smith. <laughs> <laughs> And on this day, mm-hmm. August 8th, 1970, you were born. <laughs> yes, I was indeed. <laughs> so that's yes. the best on this day we've had so far. <laughs> to Happy Elizabeth, birthday, Mark. Well, thank you. T- to Elizabeth's daughter, no less. So, uh, yes. So, yes, yes. Yes. August 8th to Elizabeth's daughter. Yes. So we're, yeah, that's the story of Mark McKinney. Yes. Mark William McKinney. That's it. That's the story done. <laughs> so on this day, ta-da. <laughs> ta-da. August 11th, 1933. Didn't get up until after 11 this morning. Felt very bad. Didn't eat much dinner. Tommy was over here all afternoon. He asked me if I could go to the musical. I did get to go. Had a nice time. There weren't any lights, and we had a pretty hard time. The moon shone coming home. I like that entry because she Mm -hmm. talks about the moon. But Mm -hmm. what I imagine is they go up on the musical with their cars Mm -hmm. and they put them in a big circle and they turn their lights on and play somebody's radio, I guess. Or if somebody has a guitar, it's probably more likely a guitar. I think a guitar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they they dance. Yeah. I think that's so... I think kids should do that now. Well, certainly they should. And they probably do on beaches, like with bonfires. Maybe. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they do. We found that hill. The mountain. Finally. Yeah. A, a viewer yes. said, my mother used to go to musicals on that hill. Isn't that cool? It's about half a mile, three quarters of a mile from Elizabeth's tent. So I bet they uh, took cars, if maybe. possible. Or they, heck, they walked everywhere. Uh-huh. And it's called King's Mountain. Pretty cool. And it's, you look on Google and it's like this beautiful little hill overlooking Step Rock. Isn't that nice? Step Rock's all flat. Yes, it is. And then there's the mountain that there's she talks about. There's this little mountain. And she goes there a lot. They all go there. They hang out there. And apparently that guy said there was a church on the top of it. So it's like making a pilgrimage up to a church? No, I don't know if the oh. church was on top. There's mm. a church at right at the corner to uh, the hill where you go up. Oh, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Oh, yeah. cool, cool, cool. He was telling us where it was. Oh, neat, neat, yeah. neat. August 14th, 1933. Just dilly-dallied around this morning, doing first one thing and then another. After dinner, I was restless and couldn't find anything to do. Boyce and Henley were at the store. I went out there for a few minutes. After supper, Tommy and Lonnie came down to the store. They didn't stay because we didn't say anything to them. Ooh! (laughs) Boom! My dad grew up in a farm in a very rural part of South Carolina, and his father was named Lonnie, and so was every other person in town. And my aunt (laughs) married a man named Lonnie, Uh so good Lord, I knew it would be hard to find Lonnie. Right. I narrowed him down within Mm -hmm. a couple of years of Tommy's birth to think, Mm. well, let me just find a Lonnie close to Tommy's age. And these are how many Lonnies I found in White County that are within two years of Elizabeth's age. And they are Lonnie Cornwell or Ferguson or Britton or Scoggin (laughs) or Crook or Farron or Hicks or Simpson or Young or Bell or Glosson or Barr. 
That was 12. Wow, that's a lot. It's a, it's a lot of Lonnie's. The only one that got my attention was Hicks because of Imogene Hicks. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I thought maybe a brother, but they're not. They're not. So no fun Lonnie story to tell you except damn... That was a popular name. Yeah, no kidding. Well, can that's you imagine? interesting. Yeah, I mean, so. 12 of them. Yeah. Can you imagine going to school, county. calling the yeah. role Lonnie, Lonnie, Lonnie? Lonnie. <laughs> Bueller. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe that was his name. Exactly. August 15th, 1933. Fooled around most of the morning. After dinner, Francis and I started down to Ruby's. Ruby wasn't home. On the way home, we stopped at the Cap's house and ate peaches. They were so good. After supper, Tommy came over. We were going to go singing, but the lights weren't any good on his truck. I quarreled about him treating me bad. Ooh, Ooh Lord. All right. Okay, now that's Henley's house that they're stopping at to get those peaches. Caps. His last name was Caps. It, it was indeed. And I'm pretty sure they weren't just stopping for peaches. They were probably like, let's go see if Henley's Yeah, in. Henley. We'll get some peaches, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> sneaking around. And that brings me back to separating these caps from Netta Caps, who lives in Pangburn. Because there are a lot of, like we talked yes. about Jesse Caps. I think Netta's husband is named Jesse. But He's so a is one of Henley's brothers is okay. named Jesse. So that's another name that gets thrown around a lot. Yes, it but, is. So and, there are yeah. Caps right here in Step Rock, and then there yes. are Caps out there in are the they Pangburn. Related? They're. Sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. sure. I don't know gotcha. how, because I'm not going to look up their family to oh, that's a discover mysteries. And, <laughs> yeah. and Netta actually lives in Big Creek, Arkansas, which uh-huh. is still part of White County. And in 1930, Jesse, her <laughs> husband, was the census taker. Oh, cool. Because remember, every yeah. time we look at these 1930 census like, records, handwriting. I just can't, I wonder how many of those were him. Yeah, Certainly right. the Pangburn ones. And Indeed. so we can blame all those misspellings on Jesse Caps. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse. Oh. But I'm pretty sure this was a side hustle job for him yeah. because these are census workers. I think you can even volunteer I think to so. be a census worker. And, and on it's the, every 10 years. Only. Yeah, right. So you can't stay right. that busy. On his death certificate, mm-hmm. he was listed as being a retired bookkeeper and a retired banker. And in 1940, he's a cashier. So that's also a banker. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason why I think dad was heading to Pangburn. Right. He's a banker. Okay. He can loan him some money oh, to dear. open a store. More debt. Yep. More big ideas. Yeah, you know those dads I think with you're the right. big ideas I are, think you're right. can be scary ones. August 16th, 1933. Dean and Helen looked at a school in Plainview today. All right, that's all that said. Wait, um, what? Yes. So Dean and Helen are looking at a school. First of all, mm-hmm. they're looking at the school like, let's go see if we like this school. I don't know. I mean, Elizabeth went to high school in Plainview mm-hmm. Plain with yeah. Reva. Correct. Right? So I guess, you know, Dean and Helen are, I guess, middle school, maybe elementary school still. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go check out sending them to an actual school. So what this tells me, mm-hmm. they haven't been going to school at all. Mm-hmm. During this time. Right. So right. these poor girls. They haven't been going to school. They're eight and six, maybe. Yeah. And they're not. There's no yeah. education opportunities wow. for them until now. Poor Bess. Ah. Oh, she, oh, she, I know. So. And there were schools like every four miles. You would think it wouldn't be that way. Right. But there were. Maybe they're looking roll, in plain roll. view so they can be staying with Aunt Ella. Perhaps something And get like them out of the well. tent during the school year. Perhaps, yeah. That makes right. a lot of sense. But this is interesting timing because just three days Later, on August 19th of 1933, the Emergency Education Program was announced by the director of the Federal Emergency Relief Administration, hmm. a part of Roosevelt's administration. Mm-hmm. And this proposal was the hiring of 40,000 unemployed teachers and sending them to educate rural school children in communities of less than 2,500 people, Neat. as well as instigating adult literacy programs in those same communities how cool is that so thank you thank fdr you, fdr what that's, are your that should be one of our way? yeah um fdr <laughs> yeah right no kidding i mean these policies we should amazing. have t-shirts made that say thank you fdr no kidding. and a little for you know, real picture I mean, of him Mm. Didn't he have always a pipe? He had the little glasses. Didn't he have a pipe or something? Uh, he may have. I don't know. Or anyway, don't that know. should go in our merch. But first of all, thank you, <laughs> FDR. You are not only employing teachers who right? are probably wondering where their next meal is coming from, but you're making sure they are going to the places they are needed That's the right. most. That's right. 
I could yep. almost cry. I know, right? It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. August 17th, 1933. Taught Dean and Helen this morning. I'm going to do that every morning. There was a musical at Burt Myers tonight, and we went on over there. All the rest of the kids in our family went over there, too. Didn't want to. Aw. So, okay, first of all, she's going to start teaching Dean and Helen. That's so sweet of her. Yeah. I guess she has an old primer, or she's just going to yeah, start, like, probably. writing things on right. little slates. and aw, a teacher I, at heart, I think, Yes, and a nurturer. Nurturer. And th- what this also says to me yeah. is that Bess isn't doing it. Right. Well, Bess probably doesn't have time. She doesn't have time. She's doing she's laundry. The, she's yeah. cooking dinners. She's yeah, yeah, cooking yeah. suppers. So, yeah. so here's Elizabeth. And that matches up with something that Psychic said on our bonus episode. Uh-huh. Is that Elizabeth knew she had to step in and take more responsibility than she right. was used to at that age. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. August 18th, 1933. Taught Dean and Helen this morning. After supper, I sat out under the tree and pieced on my quilt. Ruby came by. We were waiting for it to get a little later so we could go to Everett Hilburn's to a dance. Boyce and Henley came by and talked to us. We went on to the dance after they left. Danced, talked to Henley outside, came home with friends. August 19, 1933. Ironed down at Aunt Etta's this morning. Francis and I got ready to go to the ball game, but we didn't get any way, so we sat out under the cedar tree and pieced on the quilt. The big revival started tonight. We all got ready to go, but didn't get a ride. Last night, Henley danced with me lots. We went outside to get some air, sat on a table, and talked. He said he'd given me two chances. Tommy went to Circe in the truck yesterday, came back. Um, excuse me? There's a lot going on right there. Two chances? Yeah. What did she do? I think she did Tommy. <laughs> okay. Go. I mean, in the way that they would have <laughs> right. back then. She, she I think Henley, was steady, or not steady, yeah. but she, well, yeah. And remember, in last week's yeah. episode, she left youth group that Tommy and Henley were both uh-huh. attending right. in Tommy's truck. That's right. And that right. was probably, I that see. was at least time number two. Yes. Okay. Right? I gotcha. And I think there was that one episode, or maybe it's coming up, I might have mm-hmm. to cut this, where they were hanging out with Tommy and he left and then Henley and Boyce showed up and oh my mm-hmm. God, they almost all were there at the same time. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I think she was paying playing a little fast and loose Mm -hmm. but the big revival yeah the tent is here this is now first of all we got a message i think just today that somebody on our instagram or facebook Uh her grandparents were tent revival preachers in this time period so it could be her grandparents who are at this big tent right now in arkansas in arkansas in arkansas Wow. Wasn't that cool? Yeah, that's I know. wild. I know. There, really... there would be no way of me ever finding out who the minister no, was. I don't think so. Unless her grandparents kept records and said we were down um, at Step Rock. Right. You know, that would be really amazing. But of course, I had to do a deep dive into what these revivals yes. actually were and where they came from. Tent revivals actually derived from a Scots-Irish tradition of <laughs> holy fairs in Scotland in Ireland to prepare people for communion. Uh-huh. Now, in Scotland, everyone, a lot of people were Presbyterian, not as many Catholics, but right. I think this would work for Catholic or Presbyterian. Uh-huh. But you didn't have communion every Sunday, uh-huh. especially not in the Presbyterian church. So it was these ministers and preachers, or whatever you called them back then, would find a singular location that mm-hmm. everyone could travel to, and they would spend a week cleaning up their souls, getting people to ask for forgiveness mm-hmm. so they would be worthy of communion. Okay. One of the things I did see was that they would have to get a token mm-hmm. or a coin from the priest, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the week, they'd have to take that to the church to prove that they had gone through this revival okay. week. I wonder how much that cost. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, buying um, your I, holiness. I, I'm thinking that wasn't free. So these were brought to America by these immigrants. Huh. And, you know, a lot of the Scotch Irish were coming over in the 1920s. Yeah. You yeah. Know, there was that big. That's movement. what I am. Exactly. On my side. Yeah, of course you are. And so they were brought to America by these immigrants and evolved into evangelical events that were especially popular in the American South. They hit their peak between 1890 and 1930. They were some 
summer events between harvest, mm. and they would literally put out tents in vacant fields, and they would be there for a couple of weeks. And their sole purpose was to bring people to the church, even people who were already in a church, but they wanted them to commit on a higher level, and they were characteristically led by fiery brimstone ministers who made you feel like if you didn't do this, you were going to hell. Ah, <laughs> so they dipped them in the creek. Yes, in the cri- you had to like get saved. Yeah. And interestingly enough, I always thought these were Baptist things because yeah. they got baptized at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. But these were mainly Methodist. Really? In the Old South. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I know. Okay. They would just come to town and save you, and a lot of people would get swept up in this. And mm. as we know, Uncle Clyde was one of them who got swept That's up. That's right. That's right. And became hugely religious after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last week's episode, he was singing in the choir right. for somebody's funeral. That's at a big, big deal. the tent revival. Air conditioning changed the whole tent revival attendance. Ah. And just like television also changed the tent revival existence. Of course Because now it did. people like Billy Graham and Oral Roberts could Jim just go Timmy. on the TV machine. That's of course right. And they could save you right in your um, recliner. Um, living room. <laughs> Be saved right at home for ninety nine ninety nine. <laughs> Monthly. Monthly. <laughs> recurring. And what you get is not going to hell. Maybe <laughs> right. we should offer that on our Patreon. If hey, you join let's it, the, do. we'll have a new $15 level. You're not going to hell. And it just means you don't go to hell. I love that. I do, too. We need that. Saving For people. For us, we'll Saving be the people. first ones to enroll you and i yo are you kidding me? <laughs> we need that or at least when you when one of us gets there save me a seat <laughs> yeah right exactly <laughs> but i found a really cool online book that anyone can enjoy oh. called growing up in the great depression ozarks oh it's by a man named rc mccourt okay and he was from yeah. pangburn oh and almost every story he talks about is what was going on in Pangburn. And he had a little section about the summer tent revivals. And this was what he had to say, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Remember the old-time revivals back in the 20s and 30s in the rural countryside where folks flipped those hand fans with snuff company advertisements on the back? Yes, the weather was hot, but the preaching usually warmed of a place much hotter. Many sparkin' arrangements were worked out through the window screens or from the end of a bench row. If a girl you were interested in wasn't sitting near the end, you simply pushed a note through the crowd or relayed an oral message down the line <laughs> asking her to walk home. Sometimes a head nodded yes and sometimes no. Sometimes a note came back and said, I'll have to ask my mama. And some just tore up the note and looked the other way. But uh, it was exciting. I love it. You can just see that, <laughs> oh, right? Of course. In your so I love how these, and he says that some of them were e- were also held in churches or schoolhouses yeah. because they weren't being used right. at the time and they didn't have a field. But he said they would begin about eight o'clock at night and mm-hmm. go on for two or three hours, mm-hmm. even longer on mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday nights. I don't know. Isn't that, that crazy? Yeah. But I love how even in the midst of you're going to go to hell, yeah. someone's like, you want to walk out? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Pass Encur- it down. Encouraging them to do the kind of things out yeah. of wedlock that yeah. would get them sent right to hell. That's funny. I know. I thought that was wonderful. And that document's great that you're referring to. Yeah, you. I figured you oh, would yeah. have stumbled across I'm it. all over that thing. Hey, you know, he even talks about this couple, and they were Pauline and somebody. And he talked about how they were just the nicest couple in town, mm-hmm. and they would do anything for everybody, mm-hmm. and everybody knew and loved them. And when he described them, he's like, Pauline was uh, well known for doing hair. And I thought, <laughs> is that our Pauline? Right. From the, remember Pauline would come over and do and Elizabeth's do her hair. hair? She turned out she was Pauline Evans. Yeah, yeah. And we did a whole life story about yeah, her. Yeah. I don't remember it. Right. But I wonder, because how many Pauline, does every Pauline do hair? Right. Well, I know. So I thought that was really cool. August 20th, 1933. Went to church this morning. Henley was there, but we just spoke. After dinner, Francis and I sat out under the cedar tree. Tommy P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Pete, Woodrow, and James from Bald Knob came and stayed a while. Acted so crazy. Went to Carnell's tonight. Henley was there. Tommy went to Bald Knob. August 21st, 1933. Played ball and ate candy at the store with Gurley and Francis this morning. We went to church with Uncle Clyde in the truck tonight. Henley was there, but didn't even speak or look at me. I'm going to quit having anything to say to him. He knows he could go with me if he wanted to, and I don't know what to do about Tommy. I don't like the way he's been treating me lately. Oh, well, such is life. It will all come out in the wash. August 22, 1933. Wenzel came over here late and stayed for a few minutes. She said Tommy had a date with Inez Brown Saturday night, but he was gone. Frances was sick, so she didn't go to church tonight. I went, though. Gurley and Ethel went in the truck with us. Henley was there on his truck. A bunch of Plainview kids were there. I talked to them. Today is Tommy's 21st birthday. Okay, so yeah. lots of kids are hanging out, yeah. and, and I, what I love is that all these kids are going to church, mm-hmm. which I guess is the tent revival, oh, and they're right. all on their trucks, and this sounds more like a teen hangout yeah. than anything else. Mm-hmm. So that guy from Pangburn was right. And it's Tommy's 21st birthday. Yeah. This makes him a Virgo. Okay. So he's on the cusp of Leo and Virgo, and it would make a lot of sense that he's Leo and Virgo. Yeah. Um, my son is a Leo. You were married to a Virgo. So yes. yeah, that's 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 an interesting personality combination. Uh, yeah, yeah. So any of my, our astrologer friends out there who want to do a chart for Tommy's twenty first birthday, do it because <laughs> I would love to learn even more about Tommy. August twenty second. He August twenty second. Yes, right? yes. He was twenty one gotcha. on the twenty second. That's right. Now I think I have to right a wrong here. Uh oh. When okay. we introduced Inez Brown, mm-hmm. we said she would be the town gossip. Yeah. But I had forgotten it was it's, she who was being gossiped about Oh, okay. by that so little Wenzel. Wenzel is the town who, gossip. No one knows how to spell her name. That's even better. Wenzel. I know. And oh, we know that Tommy geez. doesn't marry Inez Brown because mm-hmm. Inez is one of those people. She mo- marries a guy named Ray and they move to California uh-huh. and they're abducted by aliens. Oh, they're gone. Yeah. So, but we know his birthday. And so, okay, Tommy just turns 21. Yeah. Elizabeth is 16. Yeah, right. So she's been dating a 20-year-old man. Yeah, true. So, I mean, back then, that's nothing. Yeah. I mean, she's sweet 16. Apparently, you can get kissed by weird-sounding old men. Um, for us, for me, I wouldn't want my 16-year-old daughter dating a 20-year-old man. Yeah. August 23rd, 1933. We did the weekly washing. Tommy came up here with his mother this morning. Was at the store all morning, but I didn't see him. Wenzel said he took Imogene Hicks to the ball game. He went home late this afternoon. I'm going to quit him. Treats me dirty. I have to say, Wenzel might be my favorite character so far. <laughs> the when, Gladys Kravitz. Wenzel's of got some Step hey, Rock. you know, Wenzel's just keeping her eye on the ball. Yes, and she, she knows uh-huh. what's going on. And she's just looking out for our girl Elizabeth. That's right. By Wenzel. telling her what Tommy's doing. Now here's Tommy my other dudes. question. I wonder if Wenzel ever went to Tommy and said, Elizabeth went out with <laughs> yes. Henley last night. <laughs> the answer is probably yes. <laughs> I think that's why Wenzel had to marry a boy from out of town and end oh, yeah. up living in Europe. Wenzel. <laughs> but here's where we get into something really interesting. Tommy's mother. Mm-hmm. I figured, you know, I like to this is not, there's not a whole lot of on this day here in this August entry. And so I mm-hmm. was like, oh no, this podcast isn't going to be interesting at all. And then Good I decided grief. to research Tommy's mother. Oh, yay. What okay. was she? Now, here's also something that's interesting. And I'm just yeah. throwing it out there. And I don't even know. I might not even, I might cut this part. Oh, Lord. But we got a really interesting direct message from a girl who lives in Australia, mm-hmm. who is studying to be an entertainment journalist. And yeah. she wanted to talk to us about the podcast. Okay. And it was just about putting together the podcast. So I was yeah. like, Mark, take a day off. I got yeah. this. And it turns out her class is on ethics oh, and okay. reporting. 
Okay. So she is a big fan. Okay. Her name is Taylor. Okay. And I love her. She's okay. cute. She's got pink hair. She's adorable. Excellent. She ha- she lives in Australia. She had to get up at six o'clock in the morning to interview me at four o'clock my time. Oh, so that was today? really sweet. No, yesterday. Oh, okay. But basically she was like, I see some of the kickback y'all get on TikTok and Facebook yeah. about you why are you reading someone's private diary? Right. right. So we kind of talked about the ethics of and oh, she also cool. mentioned people who have TikToks who don't know the person whose diary they're reading to the public. Right. So is so where do you draw the line? What's yeah. ethical the and moral stranger. in mm-hmm. this? And I'm like, well, for, for us, mm-hmm. I, I thought, well, then you can't read anything mm-hmm. that you find. Like if we find Henry VIII's journal, That's right. that means we, right. we shouldn't read it. That's exactly and right. And then do we draw the line at, well, because you're a public figure, or do we draw the line at, did I know them? Or how long have they been dead mm-hmm. before we're, you know, so it was a really that fascinating- very good discussion yes when she writes this paper for her college class she's yeah. going to send us a link to it Please. so we can read it and i'll probably put it up on the patreon for anyone who's interested but Excellent. i thought it was really cool and then it made me doubt whether i should tell this next story well <laughs> it's probably public information that's exactly what i, I was going to say what yes. you're this say, is all a hundred percent public record well then it then a- yeah anybody could find this story well then I, go for it it, it just tell happens to be me now okay <laughs> Tommy's mother was born Mary Edna Moss. Okay. She was born in 1883, and I noticed that her father died five years later in 1888. Mm -hmm. Her mother will remarry to a man named Loss Hartzell. Mm -hmm. I don't know how he's related to Louis, but he is, because he's a Hartzell living in Step Rock. A brother. Loss? I think that... Oh, that's right. Morris had a bunch of kids. Yeah, right. So maybe... Yeah, okay. I doubt it's the brother because uh, then Tommy and Elizabeth would be too close a cousins. Okay. So it must be okay. a cousin. Anyway, Mary, Mary Edna Moss. Yeah. Okay. Tommy's ste- mother. Who, Tommy's mother. Marries her, Tommy's dad, in 1901 when she's 18 years old. And she dies in 1959 from a cerebral hemorrhage. Oh. So that's her story. And that's interesting, I, I guess. But then I just was like, her poor dad. You know, what happened? Mm-hmm. What, well, let me see if I can find a death certificate. Mm-hmm. So I go looking for George Moss, which was his name, George mm-hmm. M. Moss, and oh, buckle up. <laughs> hey. Just buckle up. Yahoo. So we kind of have to go back to the beginning to make this story really understandable mm-hmm. and to really appreciate the oh my gods oh, yay. of this story. So in 1850, J.A. Carruthers marries a woman named Emily, and they are both 14 years old wow. when they get married in 1850, and they had 10 children. Mm-hmm. One of them is named Sina. She's born in 1856, and sometime in the late 1870s, she marries a man named George Moss, and together they have three children, the last one being Mary Edna Moss, Tommy okay. Bird's mom. Yeah. So this is Tommy Bird's grandfather, grandfather. they were talking about. Okay, so you're still with me. That's good. I am. So that means that after Mary's born, dad's mm-hmm. about to die. Right, five years. And Right. So what happened to George? Well, I'm going to read you this article. Okay. It's from 1887, mm-hmm. the year before he dies. He was living in Fort Smith, Arkansas, which today would be about a three-hour drive from Step Rock. And it's right on the border of Oklahoma. I was okay. today years old when I saw how close Arkansas and Oklahoma were. Yes. Well, they're next door. <laughs> they totally are. I, in my brain, Arkansas, uh, <laughs> Oklahoma was like way far, uh, several states away. funny. Because I'm an idiot. <laughs> it was a – Fort Smith was built – by the United States government in 18, I think 17, maybe I haven't gotten to that part yet, but it, the fort was built to keep peace between the Choctaw Indians who were already living there and the Cherokee Indians who were being forcibly moved there. Mm-hmm. So the government had to build a fort mm. to keep the peace in a chaos that they had themselves created. Wow. Weird. As yeah. if that doesn't, uh, yeah, that makes it makes me kind of mad. So I'm going to read you this article. George Moss was convicted on the 17th of September of participating in a most diabolical murder, oh. being the last of the four who committed the deed. Oh. On the 26th of November last, Moss, Sandy Smith, 
Factor Jones and Dick Butler conspired to steal a beef on the range. They entered into an agreement that if any person caught them in the act, they would murder whoever it might be. Accordingly, they proceeded to Red River Bottom in the Choctaw Nation and shot a steer belonging to a prominent farmer named Taff, who appeared on the scene just after the shot was fired and was promptly shot and killed. Moss firing the fatal shot. The horse of Moss got away during the shooting, and he went home on foot, being unable to catch the animal. The finding of the horse and the dead body of Taff led to the arrest of all four of the conspirators. Moss and Smith were turned over to a deputy marshal who happened to be in the, in the vicinity, and they were brought here for trial. But Jones and Butler's, being citizens of the Indian Territory, mm-hmm. the court had no jurisdiction over them. Mm. The infuriated citizens, knowing that the murderers would probably never be punished in the Choctaw courts, took them to the identical spot where Taff was murdered, and after hearing their confessions, completely riddled them with bullets. You are kidding. Leaving their bodies where they fell. Dang. Sandy Smith died in jail just before the case came up for trial, leaving Moss alone to pay the penalty of their crime by due course of law. And then a couple of months. Yeah, oh, just, yeah. So apparently, here's the deal. Okay, well, let me read this one last part. Mm -hmm. So this is a couple months later. It's an announcement of who's being hung. (laughs) So it's Owen D. Hill for cutting his wife's throat. George Moss for shooting a man named Taff and Jack Crow for shooting Charles B. Wilson were hanged at Fort Smith last night. All were Negroes or Ah, of Negro extraction. Of course. I'm reading an historical document and some language I would not personally use today, but I'm reading what was written in 1887. So let's remember the time. This is not Liz talking. This is an article. Yeah. Hill... As the end drew near, became crazed with dread and continuously protested a belief in his soul's salvation. Okay. Is Tommy Bird black? Uh, no. It, yeah. that we, We've seen his picture. He is not. But George Moss, one thing that I left out when I first started reading this original article, it starts off, George Moss, a Negro. No. Was convicted on the 17th of September. Blue, 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 and blah, you're blah, blah, sure blah, this blah. is hang, the hang. same man? Well, that's what I said. So hang on. I'm like, oh, Jesus, Lord Almighty God, I've gone down a rabbit hole for the wrong man. Okay. So looking at these guys who were hung, I yep. know a lot about the person who murdered Charlie Wilson. Mm-hmm. Charlie Wilson was a Native American, African American man. Mm-hmm. And he was a really big deal because he had risen in, a, in political prestige in this kind of Fort Smith area on mm-hmm. the reservation. He had been the sheriff. And at the time of his murder, he was the treasurer, the county treasurer. Mm-hmm. He was murdered by his political opponent when Ooh. they were both running for sheriff. The man he was running against was a man named Robert Benton. And it's really interesting because the murder happened on election night. Mm -hmm. Robert Benton had Charlie Wilson (laughs) murdered, and then he stole the ballots. And then oh said, God. well, you can't find the ballot, so I'm sheriff. You're kidding. No, no, no. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> well, I guess that's one way to get into office. Yeah, so this is one. Of, so the guy that Jeez. they mentioned, uh, what was his name? Jack Crow for shooting Charles B. Wilson. Yeah. Jack Crow was a black man. Wow. So hang on, God. And the whole, uh, I'm reading this article, and I'm looking back on Ancestry.com thinking, I don't have the right George Moss. And then I find a woman who has George Moss on her family tree. Okay. It's like, it looks different from just searching. So I reach out to her, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, hey, I know someone who's a descendant of this George Moss, and she had an article that was marked private. And I said, would you mind sharing this private article Mm -hmm. with me? And she sends it, and I start reading it, and I'm like, no, this is about... Tommy's you know, these, bl- these black, no, I'm like, oh, these are about these black guys who oh, killed not, Charlie okay. Wilson. Uh-huh. And then when I read at the end, and he's talking about this guy coming to justice, they describe George Moss as a white man. And I even reached out to her and I said, I've seen newspaper articles that say he was black. And she responded and she's like, no, it's him. This, the article that she had was from a book called Justice in Oklahoma. 
Okay. And it's talking about, it has lots of different trials and things in it. And George Moss was a white man. Okay. According to this guy who's done more research. What I'm yeah. thinking yeah. is that George Moss was some black. Yeah. Right. And because you could have yeah. one drop of black blood, you would be considered black. Really? Yes, that was the law. Well, we all have. Then we're all black. <laughs> yeah, we we might just we I might think just that be. That's the case. But that was or, the law in the South. Mm-hmm. If you even had a maybe half black mm-hmm. grandfather, wow. you would be considered a black person. Cool. Remember when Italian immigrants first came over here in the 1920s? They weren't considered white. Mm-hmm. 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 So what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. This means hmm. that Tommy Bird's grandfather mm-hmm. was definitely a murderer <laughs> and maybe not fully white. Yeah. Isn't that something? Isn't that the most interesting thing? It really is. Yeah. I thought that was an amazing story. That is but a I great love it. Story. Even in the How hanging, wild. all were Negroes or of Negro extraction. Uh, ex- okay. Which well, means you were a part drop black. of blood. Yeah. Or. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of How, black people can pass so for wild white that people. They labeled them like that. Was well, eighteen eighty eight? No, no, I don't. I'm not surprised. But if you look at them, I mean, Tommy looks like a pure white person. Right, right, right. Well, it's like so. Why it's like, the, and I'm not one to speak on it because I'm a, I'm a I'm a white girl. I'm as white as they get. Yeah. But in the in the black culture, it's called passing. Yeah. Right. And a lot of times, if a, especially women or even men, if you could pass for white mm-hmm. and you could move away and live somewhere, mm-hmm. and people thought you were mm-hmm. white, then your mm-hmm. life was a f- heck ton Great. better. Yeah. So, but this maybe, is the reverse. They said he was a black or a black. Well, maybe I just they don't get it. I I think they knew he was a little bit half. Maybe he was half black. Yeah, right. Or but they were all that way. All four, right? Yes. I read the. I found the articles about Owen D. Hill, and he was definitely a black man who killed his black wife. Odd. Well, and I know that Jack Crow is a black man because I read that whole thing about Charlie Wilson. I read the whole stupid article, which was very very long, and didn't mention George Moss until the end, but called him white. So well, I'm just thinking he passed. He he and and but he and he got found out. He got found out. Or you know, this is a small world. Maybe people knew it. So that's why huh. I thought, well, this isn't my family story to tell, but anyway. Well, yeah, tell it, girl. I, I just did. I know. I'm glad. <laughs> But here's a fun George Moss. Here's a f- murderer, know, grandfather I, of Tommy. Well, just stealing that cattle would have gotten George Moss hung. Oh, no doubt. In 1888. You don't do that. So he, that was a bad man all around. How yeah. did Mary Edna get mixed up with him, have three kids with him? Mm-hmm. And then he runs off and does this. Yeah. But here's what's interesting, too. And I don't think I even wrote this part down. Mary Edna mm-hmm. marries Lost Hartzell mm-hmm. in 1887, mm-hmm. about a month or two after that article came out oh. in the paper. Oh. So she was like, done with you, George. You're going to die. I'm going to marry into the Hartzell family. Good for her. But fun fact, the gallows at Fort Smith, the first execution there was in 1873. A legend holds that Fort Smith's gallows could hang 12, but the most executed at one time was six. (laughs) The earliest executions were public and drew crowds, but the structure was fenced about 1878. So there were no big crowds for George. Over 24 Uh. years, 86 men were hanged in 39 separate executions. A year after the last execution in 1896, the city of Fort Smith destroyed the gallows. The present gallows is a reproduction because Fort Smith is a state park today. Good. So you can go visit. Kind of makes you think who is causing all the real trouble around there when you look at that Fort Smith mm-hmm. and Native Americans being forced in. And of course, mm-hmm. the, there's, you know, just shoving everybody on land and mm-hmm. get along and mm-hmm. we're here to shoot you if you don't. And it was interesting that the two other people in the George Moss murder scheme, mm-hmm. since they were Native Americans, mm-hmm. they could have never been tried at Fort Smith because right. they were part of the Choctaw tribe. So they just killed him. Wow. I mean, they were going to kill him anyway if they had gotten, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's just so. Ugh. Yeah. So this August episode did have an exciting. Yes. Entry. But anyway, yes, it we're was not. very exciting. We're not done yet. Oh. August 25th, 1933. Helen and I had a paper doll wedding this morning. We went to church tonight. Leonard, Ruth, Moody, and I joined. I felt scared, and yet it felt natural that I should do that. It was the best and only thing to do, and I'm glad I've done it. I'm going to be baptized. 
Well, so they're taking her down to the river. Dunk her in um, the river. Hey, you know, you get swept up in things like that. R- right. And, and, and she was always young. religious before. She will yeah. always be religious after. So yeah. This is no big, ooh. You know, she, go, go, get, really, go get baptized. She's having right. fun and she's feeling. Exactly. And it get, in a time like that, mm. to give her so much joy yeah. and the promise of an afterlife and that the Lord is looking out for you, good mm-hmm. gosh, she mm-hmm. needed it. So go go down to the river, girl. It's like, oh, brother, where art thou? The <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. You know? Oh, exactly. That's what it is. Is yeah. it exactly that? Go watch it, y'all. Yeah. August 26, 1933. Daddy, Leon, Helen, Francis, and I went to Pangburn. Left at 7 and got there at 10. We girls went to Aunt Netta's. Daddy traded his lot. We bought a lot of stuff at Brown and Crook's. I got some shoes and a dress. Ate dinner at Aunt Netta's. Bought a cook stove. Left at 1 and got here at 4.30. Went straight to the creek and was baptized. It was so pretty down there. We went to church tonight. Neva was there, but Henley didn't take her home. Or me either. Okay, there's interesting stuff here. Why did it take him three hours to get to Pangburn? I, I don't know. That's maybe 14 miles, maybe nine miles. What the heck? Yeah, that's weird. Is there three another hours? Pangburn? No, there's just the one. That is weird. Uh, did maybe they, they walk? Stopped. Yeah, yeah, well, it sounds like it. I don't know, but Daddy traded his do. lot. His lot of what? Is that what he's been doing for a week? Has he been like dumpster diving and trash I don't know. Driving? What does that mean, his lot, though? Daddy traded his lot. Like he took stuff to barter with? He sure did. But what? where did he get stuff? I mean, they've well, been growing onions and cabbages, right. maybe. Uh? Well, and maybe some you know, family member gave him a... You know, I don't know, potbelly stove to sell, something, something like that. Yeah, it's something weird going on. But they got a lot of stuff at Brown and Crooks, and yeah. I tried to find an old Brown and Crooks. It's hard picture. to find; it doesn't exist. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I, I guess know, it didn't last too. long. I was hoping there'd be a little old storefront picture or something. Yeah. And then it took them three and a half hours to get home. That's really from one and got here at four thirty. That I'm going to need to think about. The I, roads must have been really bad to Penburn, but it's only fourteen miles away. Well, the, the roads are bad. Then, God. I know, three hours. Good Lord. That's well, why. Henley didn't take this girl Neva home, so I guess Elizabeth is keeping an eye on the competition. Way She got herself baptized, so they got home mm-hmm. just in time. August 28th, 1933. Tommy came over to the store this afternoon in the truck by himself. Mother and Dean said I was making the circuit, so I stayed in the kitchen all the time just for spite. It began raining kind of late this afternoon. I didn't go to church tonight. Leon went and said there was an average crowd, including Thomas J. Bird. (laughs) So I think that's funny that the night after she gets baptized, she's like, I'm not going to church. (laughs) Yeah, right. Right. (laughs) Makes me wonder how deep that conviction really was. But she missed out on seeing Tommy. She can't quit him. (laughs) But I do have a little quick on this day for August 29th, Mm -hmm. 1933, because this was the day the New York Times, for the first time, Mm -hmm. reported the extent of the Nazi Germany's concentration Mm -hmm. camps in a front page story that noted that there were 65 camps. And at that time, they held approximately 45,000 inmates. This is in 1933? Yep. Wow. Yeah. It's coming. So the camps have been there 10 years before the war started. Well, I mean, the camps can come up pretty quickly. I just saw Oppenheimer. They built a whole city in a couple of weeks. So you can pop up or you Concentration can, camps is mm-hmm. what we're talking about, though, right? It, right, right, right. But they're initially just big buildings where you're housing people and right. there's lots of fencing and barbed wire. I just didn't realize it was going on for that long. Oh! The whole concentration. I thought it yeah. It was 10 years of concentration camps. 12. Gosh, so we knew, and it was in the New York Times. It's already in the newspaper. You know, some things don't change. I know. It's right in front of their faces. I know. Anyway. I know, I know, I know. You're allowed to get mad about it. I am mad about it. Yeah, no, and they're, and they're already talking about like these 45,000 people. And then, okay, this is in 1933. Yeah. That tenant farm exhibit, that was 1935. And they say, we need a Hitler. That's right. They loved and some they all, people. And they, right, right. It was right. a strong man, you know, big deal coming in and going to fix everything. Right. Anyway. I wonder what Mark's politics are. <laughs> anyway. Everybody knows mine. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll. I need to go take my blood pressure medication. Please hold. <laughs> 
August 30th, 1933. Ruby, Ruth, Cornell, and Wenzel came, and then we all went to the baptizing. Tommy was there and walked along by me, came home and helped with dinner. Tonight was the last night of church. We had a flat and had to walk part of the way. Henley and Tommy were there. Henley looked darling in his dark blue suit. Took Neva home. Tommy sat within a foot of me. Didn't talk to him afterwards. August 31, 1933. After Francis and I finished the work, we went over to where they are building our house. They started yesterday. It's a pretty place. The foundation is laid. Tommy is going back to Searcy tomorrow. Football practice starts Monday. August wrap-up, 1933. Our house is started at last. It won't be long now. The church meeting is over and I'm a member of the church. Tommy has spent the last of his vacation here. So the church is over. Yep. The house is being built. Yeah. And Tommy and Henley are and, out. So let's wrap them up. Because right. it looks like neither Tommy nor they're Henley. They're not coming back. They're not That's your, it. They're not your, I hate to tell See you, ya. you're not their grandchild. I'm not. Yeah, no, you're not. not. So let's Thank get you. to know them a little bit better. Right. Thomas Jefferson Bird was born on August 22nd of 1912 to James and Mary Bird. He is the youngest of four children and was the best looking. I don't know if that's true. Ah, I just you put that. that in there. In the 1930 census, they do have him working as a laborer on a farm. But as we know, he'll also start working in a grocery store because mm-hmm. we see him in that Kroger picture. That's right. And in 1939, he'll marry a young woman named Gertrude Lindsay of Little Rock, Arkansas, where he is now living, working for Kroger. She is a first-generation American and the daughter of Polish immigrants. Her father was a home builder and a carpenter, but their marriage doesn't last very long. They get a divorce in 1941. Tommy Mm. is then joins the military in 1942. He serves until 1945. So Mm -hmm. Tommy was in World World War II. II. I don't know what he did, though. But in 1942, before he goes off to battle, Mm -hmm. he will marry who at that time would be considered little old maid Doris Kynard, who was Doris, therefore, that we met last week. Remember, I said Doris would be someone's second yeah. wife. Oh, it's Tommy. And it was Tommy Birds. So she was 27 and he was 29 when they got married. And she was a school teacher. Old maid. An old maid school teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Doris and Tommy have one son. Mm-hmm. And I have reached out to his family on Facebook. Yeah, and I have found him. Oh. And they haven't gotten back to me right now. Mm-hmm. But I do know, because I'm a nosy little woman, mm-hmm. that they have something going on in their family right now. Awesome. So I'm not going to say his name or his family's name. Yeah. and let Or the town that he's in now. Okay. And just kind of let them yeah. have their space. Of course. And if they want to get in touch with me, then God yeah. knows I'm here, <laughs> You're available. here to have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I don't want anybody or even any of their neighbors. You're very nice. That's, um, with. I mean, not everybody could just contact somebody out of the blue, you know, like you do. And really? I love it. It's great. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you I, call the murderer's son <laughs> and the murderee's son as well. <laughs> well, you know, I just want the, the I want everyone guy, to get to so tell much. their side of the story, uh, yeah, so so yeah. that I can tell it to everybody else. Love it. Uh, but in the 1950 census, handsome Tommy Bird is. Oh, and I'll say his good looks pass on through the family. Okay, everyone's real good looking. Mm-hmm. But uh, and so is Doris. Doris is beautiful. We have mm-hmm. a picture of Doris. Okay, and that will be on our Patreon. Wonderful. We have a picture of her as an old lady. So that's why I'm hoping they get in touch with me. I'd love to see them on their yeah. wedding day. But Tommy mm. dies young in 1972 at the age. Of sixty. Okay. So I don't know, but if he Tommy. had married your grandmother, he what? would only have outlived her by three years. Well, that's kind of what happened. I know with her husband. I, yeah. Oh, right. Oh, that's okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's okay. Hopefully, we'll hear from his family. Doris lived until 2011. She was 96 oh, when she died. Mm-hmm. Kick ass, some Doris. I know. <laughs> and she never remarried. Uh-huh. She was an avid golfer and a member of the North Hills Women's Golf Association. She graduated from Hendricks College, and she was a math teacher and hmm. a marketing specialist for Kroger. 
Oh, well, of so, course. Yeah, Tommy so, and Doris, the Kroger people. So that's Tommy Jefferson, handsome bird. And then hmm. we have Henley Halleck Caps, who was born on October 28th of 1915. Hmm. His parents were Willard and May Caps, and they were farmers on Step Rock Road in what the census called Hartzell, Arkansas, just like Tommy. So they're all living on the same street. Hmm. On May 1st of 1937, Henley will marry Neva. Oh, you're who telling. Who he took home from yep. the tent revival. Henley married Neva. <laughs> so Elizabeth was right. She didn't want to see Henley with Neva because yeah. she saw true love happening right you, before her eyes. And you know, <laughs> like three years before they do, that they're going to get married. That's so cool when you read these diaries. I know. You know yeah. what's going on. It's I like you're it. a fortune teller. I love it. I love it. Henley will raise his family right there in Step Rock, Arkansas. Oh. He will continue to always be best friends with Boyce wood which is lovely yes. um, he and Neva have two children and he'll stay he'll be a farmer and in 1950 surprise they get one more little girl okay <laughs> so she was a, a late surprise baby yeah. Henley will be laid to rest in Roosevelt Cemetery in August of 1989 mm. at the age of 74 oh. his grandson Tom commented on an Instagram like can't wait to hear more about Henley that's my grandfather and I responded and said how about send me a picture yeah, and we need said, a picture of him. I'll go look, yeah. which is what I keep hearing from everybody. Wah, wah. We have a picture of Henley when he's a 45-year-old yeah. bald man. Yeah. <laughs> and But he's handsome, nice-looking yeah. fella. But we want to see him I young. I want to see him young with a head full of hair. Yeah. So hopefully uh, that will happen, and you will get that on our Patreon. And if it comes up late, you Patreon followers at the $5 level, y'all are in there for the pictures. And even if it's not an it's episode. It's amazing. If you're if, not a member, go. There's so many go cool pictures and maps. And yeah. you can really it's put really everything neat. in perspective. Things I won't let Mark use on the Facebook. <laughs> so, so go check them out. And as always, thank you for being here for yes. episode 15. Uh, bye, Tommy and Henley. Aww. We might see them occasionally in the diary, but yeah. she's going to be moving she's on. She's moving on. Yeah, it's okay. They have a house. Next week, yeah. we'll talk about their house and what's going on and Yay. lots of interesting things. Uh, 1933 ends with a real bang, y'all. Uh-huh. So stick with us. Yeah. We've got a lot to do. And follow us on the Patreon and see what bonus things we have for you. And don't forget to like and review this podcast. Yeah. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.